Elkhart County is a place where quality craftsmanship, innovation, and collaboration result in a well-crafted life. With an appreciation for all things handmade and homegrown, we leave our mark on everything we hold. Elkhart County is well-crafted. Welcome to the people and places along the Heritage Trail in Elkhart County, Indiana podcast. Hey, and welcome back to another fun episode where we bring you more great ideas on things to see and do right here in Elkhart County, Indiana. On today's episode, you'll learn more about the Napanee Center from Martha Owen, director of the Evelyn Culp Heritage Collection at the Napanee Center located in downtown Napanee. Then Brittany Short will tell us more about the Friends of the Pumpkin Vine Nature Trail. Brittany is a huge advocate of this nonprofit, and she gets you more excited to get out and enjoy spring along the pumpkin vine. Then, last but not least, we catch up with Brian Byrne, curator of exhibits and education at the Midwest Museum of American Art in downtown Elkhart. Brian's charismatic personality brings the museum to life and will make you want to stop by. Hello, everyone. My name is Sonia Nash. I'm with the Elkhart County CBB, and joining me today is Martha Owen, the Heritage Collection Manager at the Napanee Center, located in downtown Napanee. Welcome, Martha. Thank you. We're so excited to have you here. Um, it's it's the Napanee Center and the Heritage Collection is just an amazing facility. Uh, you are quite an interesting person. Tell us a little bit about your love of history and heritage and how you got started here in Napanee. Um, well, it's a funny story how I got started in Napanee, but I've been volunteering in museums and everything like that since I was 13. So I have like 13. over two. Yeah, since uh, so I have over two decades of love of working in museums and um, just continuing that. And when I got out of college, I was like, oh, I, I couldn't find any museum jobs or anything like that. So I applied for a library clerk position <laughs> at the Napanee Public Library. And they are just like, you know what? You, you don't really fit for what we're looking for. You were checking we out this... books. Is that it? Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. yeah. They're just like, but we have this other position. And cool. I was like, okay. So I was introduced to the Heritage Collection and it kind of just like took off from there, really making it what it is today. Well, that's such an interesting story because it really shows dedication and really perseverance to keeping your mind open to those possibilities. You never know where the future might mm -hmm. Hold, right? Yeah, you never know. And I could have never thought of um, working in a small town museum and getting to meet like people from all over the country um, and even all over the world. I actually met my mom's second grade teacher oh my who, was, who was on a bus tour. And it's just like crazy. The craziest things have happened. <laughs> Like, what are the odds of that, that you just need a bus uh, to welcome them to the museum and then you have a personal connection? Yeah. That's amazing. Well, so being a 13-year-old, what did you love about museums and history? You know, growing up, we never had like, well, we had fun vacations, mm -hmm. but my parents always made them educational with history <laughs> and visiting different museums and all that kind of stuff. So I developed like this love for history through visiting things like Jesse James Hideout, um, the Gateway Arch, just all of these educational things that my parents made sure that our vacations had. Sure. Um, and that kind of just, it just flourished from there. Okay, so I've been to the Gateway Arch, but I haven't been to the Jesse James. So later on, you and I will have to talk about that because I also would find <laughs> yeah. that fun. But, so tell us, Martha, how did you transform the Heritage Collection into such a wonderful museum? 
Well, it started in 1971 in the basement of the Napanee Public Library by Evelyn Culp, and that's who the collection is named after. So its full name is actually the Evelyn Lehman Culp Heritage Collection, but we just call it the Heritage Collection a lot of the time. And um, we were given this unique opportunity over 15 years ago to be in a city building and share it with the Chamber of Commerce. Mm -hmm. And we're probably one of the only organizations in the state that have this unique partnership between the city, the chamber, and the library. And we're able to take 10,000 square feet of our space and turn it into a museum and interpretational spaces. Well, and I would say that is very true, not only here for Elkhart County, but throughout the state and the nation, to have a public library so dedicated to preserving our community's history, and then to have a chamber of commerce and a city and a town and a mayor who believe mm -hmm. in that same passion. How does that all work? I mean, do you have to jump through a lot of hoops to get all of those people to agree? Or, or what is that process like? It's not really whenever we make changes. So in 2020, we remodeled the building. So we have new carpet, new paint on the walls. We um, added our Emma Schrock collection, mm -hmm. which we completely um, revital. We like did a whole renovation on that space. And we really just work together as um, even though we're different entities, we work together and we're like, hey, this is what we want to do. Is it okay if we do this? And nine times out of 10, it's a yes. And then um, probably like once every so often, it's like, let's just sit down, talk about this and um, figure it all out. And that's what's great about the people of Elkhart County. They're so willing to work with one another and figure out win-wins on all sides. Well, you mentioned mm -hmm. the Emma Schrock and some of the other things. So tell us and bring it to life to our listeners. What can they expect to see when they go inside the Heritage Collection? Yeah, so when you walk into the Napanee Center in the Heritage Collection, um, you are um, brought into this, what used to be an old furniture store. So we, it's a perfect for a museum because we have 11 themed rooms and a historical house that was attached onto our building that was built in 1888. So we have um, our themed rooms include our kitchen cabinet making history. So we have a room of just kitchen cabinets. We have an Amish Acres room with a actual place setting of the Thresher's Dinner in there. We have our Emma Schrock collection, which she was a old order Mennonite artist who painted just like Grandma Moses. So there's over 2000 paintings that she ever created. And we have the largest uh, private collection in our museum of about 60 to 70 paintings wow. that are on display of hers. Um, we have a military room, a high school room, public service room. Uh, we have our six nationally known cartoonist exhibit. And then we also have a space room. Well, that's just amazing. And um, maybe you might not know, but back in, in my early career, I was a sales manager for Pletcher Furniture. <laughs> and in that building that you're in, I was in there all of the time. And my I had an office in the uh, historic house uh, as well. So uh, I'm very familiar with the space and you've transformed it into quite an experiential visit that's very well done and uh, so what is the most favorite thing that about your job oh my goodness I have I don't know that's almost like asking somebody who their favorite child is um, <laughs> okay I won't make you pick then I get it yeah. I I don't know I I love 
I just love greeting people and getting to know them and finding out where they're from. We've had people come in from Oregon and I have family in Oregon. So it's always nice to try and figure out, oh, have I have I actually been uh, to where you're from or with my family from Wisconsin? It's It's nice to try and put like people's where they live in actual experiences that you've had. And I just love the programming too, because we have um, the hit the pavement in historic Napanee walking tours that we do. We have a Napanee history podcast. And then we have our night at the museum program that actually physically brings history to life. Well, so that is true. And you have so many wonderful programs and our time is running out. We'll definitely have to have, bring you back. And uh, because I want to know about this walking tour, that just sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> Everybody enjoys uh, walking a little bit and, and seeing history and learning about it firsthand. So uh, will you come back one time soon? Yeah, I'll, oh. I'll come back. Well, until then, tell us a little bit about for our listeners who want to come and check it out because you're open year round. How do they find out where you're located in your hours and more information? Well, um, you can go to the Napanee Public Library's website. So NapaneeLibrary.org, and that has all of our information for our um, hours because we're open Monday through Friday, nine to five, and then Saturdays, nine to one. Yeah, our online database is also on the library's website. So you can find pictures of Napanee. Oh, thank you so much, Martha. It is a wonderful facility. I encourage everyone to come and enjoy and visit. It's free of charge, right, Martha? Yeah, it's free of charge. You don't need reservations. You just pop in for as long or as uh, short of a visit as you'd like. And it is connected to a quilt garden too, right? Yes, we do have a quilt garden. <laughs> There's so much to tell at the Napanee Center and the Heritage Fletcher. Thank you so much, Martha, for joining us. We appreciate it. We hope everyone stays tuned for the next episode with Martha. Until then, have a great day. Hi, I'm Terry Mark with the Elkhart County CBB. I'm joined uh, today by Brittany Short, uh, president of the Friends of the Pumpkin Vine Nature Trail. How are you doing, Brittany? I'm good. How are you, Terry? Great. So um, tell me about the Friends of the Pumpkin Vine Nature Trail. It's a group that's been around for a while, but uh, what do you guys do exactly? Yeah, we have been around for a while. Actually, the Friends group started as an idea back in 1990, so we're over 30 years old at this point, and was incorporated two years later. And really what we do is we're just a nonprofit membership organization that's centered around promoting and preserving the development of the Pumpkin Vine Nature Trail. So who can be part of the Friends of the Pumpkin Vine? Do you have to live in Elkhart County? Do you have to love biking or? No, anybody who uh, appreciates and loves the Pumpkin by Nature Trail is welcome to become a member. Um, any donation of $30 or more qualifies you as a member of the Friends for a year. And there are some benefits. Several local bike retailers provide discounts to members of the Friends. And even if you're a business owner and want to become a sponsor, there are other perks for those folks as well. But yeah, anybody who who really appreciates trails would be welcome to become a member. And that money really does two major things. One, it provides funding for trail completion projects, um, which have been ongoing for the last 30 years, but are um, soon to be wrapped up. And then also it provides money to facilitate maintenance. Certain segments of trail are aging. Our oldest section of trail is now 20 years old. So as, as time progresses, we really just need funds available to make the needed changes to keep the pumpkin vine beautiful and usable for everyone. Yeah, it's uh, 
it's a tremendous partnership that you have with the uh, all the local entities that help maintain the trail as well. Can you talk about that uh, a little bit? Yeah. So there are four different public agencies that manage the trail. Um, they, it passes through four different jurisdictions. So Middlebury Parks Department manages one section, the town of Chippewana, another, Elkhart County Parks, and the Ocean Parks and Rec. Each manage the Pumpkin Vine Nature Trail, and we come together to manage it collectively as one unit. So um, that can sound like a, a tricky thing, getting four different public agencies to work together, but really it's been a, a wild success. I think each municipality or government organization realizes the wonderful asset that the pumpkin vine is and has really taken charge and taken a an interest in ensuring that it's managed as one beautiful trail. So what's in the Friends uh, group role in, in developing the trail? Like, like you said, it started in 1990 as an idea of, of people who were passionate about this uh, rail trail. Um, what has this group done? So um, the Friends of the Pumpkin Vine, I guess I can start by saying that there were five gentlemen who had this idea that Elkhart County needed a linear park. Um, and it was around the same time that the Pumpkin Vine Railroad had ceased operations. So that was in 1980 when that happened and it was abandoned. Over the course of the next 15, 20 years, there was a lot of litigation going around the country because there was a number of abandoned railroad beds that were being considered for alternate uses. So what the friends did really in the early days is determined, they purchased um, the old corridor and then um, joined litigation to determine if that was actually legal. Can a private entity own a former railroad corridor? And the answer ended up being yes. And this was sort of a phenomenon going around all over the country. So that's how things started for the Friends, determined ownership, um, and then really got to work in advocacy. After ownership was determined, it was going out and talking with public agencies, working together to get the first segment of trail built, which was a mile and a half in Goshen. Um, I think the year 2000 is when that opened, or 1999. After that, it was really um, fundraising and working with our public partners to get trail built. Um, and over the course of the last 20 years, we've just become a partner in working with those agencies to get the, the trail developed. In certain sections, we took a more active role in construction and in others, we're more a fundraising partner. Well, it's, uh, the work is so much worth it uh, just from looking at the trail. It's, uh, it's, it's truly beautiful. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> it took a lot of work to get where we are today, but I, I feel like our community has really, really understands what they have. And I'm grateful for all the folks that came before me and all the work that they did, because for some people, this was a full-time volunteer job yeah. and it, it lasted a decade or more. In some cases, almost three decades. Well, and the, the thing is, uh, the, the, the communities along the trail, the businesses have really, really embraced it with some development and, and people have seen the economic benefits of the trail. They really have. I know multiple businesses that would not exist in the same capacity if the trail was not there. I can think of, of a number of businesses that would own that title. Right. So really, it's 
been an economic driver for small business in the area. And also it's been a driver for tourism. We have people coming in from all over the country to ride, walk on, on the pumpkin vine. Yeah, I have a, I have a personal anecdote about that. I think there was one time I was in Middlebury. I was out on a ride myself and I just struck up a conversation with a couple that I ran into there. And it turned out they were from, I think, Grand Rapids, Michigan, which, uh, you know, it, it sort of hit home for me, like, oh, how, how, how much people, uh, enthusiasts from all around the region and the country uh, will travel and visit places because of the trail. Absolutely. We have folks from, you know, hours away that come once, twice a month on the weekends to ride. I also, um, I know of individuals who come from Europe. Now, I don't know that the pumpkin vine was the primary reason for their, their visit. However, you know, just the enthusiasm from those folks and talking with them that, wow, this is a really wonderful thing that you have here. It's just exciting to see the reach and the influence that the pumpkin vine created for Elkhart County. That's great. So um, if you want to learn more about uh, the Friends Group or the pumpkin vine, where can they do that? Yeah, the best place to find out more about the Friends of the Pumpkin Vine is at pumpkinvine.org. And there are sections on our site that talk about membership and um, about the history of our organization. Well, great. I encourage everyone to get involved. And uh, Brittany, thanks for your time today. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, everyone. It's Sonia. I'm joined today by Brian Byrne, the executive director of the Midwest Museum of American Art, located in downtown Elkhart. Welcome, Brian. Hi, Sonia. Good to be here today. Oh, I'm so excited to chat with you. You know, I love the Art Museum and you are an amazing person. Why don't you share with us and our listeners a little bit, how did you find yourself in downtown Elkhart at an art museum? Well, it started over 40 years ago, for sure. I was a graduate of Indiana University heading north to be uh, eventually in Chicago and located, found myself in uh, Elkhart and discovered the Midwest Museum of American Art in a in a rather run down part of the city. You know, downtown had uh, had had a heyday back in the 50s, 60s and maybe even early 70s. And, and then there were a lot of abandoned buildings, but the uh, museum building itself had been a former bank building. It was one of two banks, the St. Joseph Valley Bank. And a friend suggested that we take in a panel discussion there. It was during the summer of 1981. And I was still finding my way around the, the rivers and different streets <laughs> of Elkhart in northern Indiana. Uh, and uh, I was just so astonished to walk in the museum and see this major national touring exhibition of the artist named uh, Miriam Shapiro. I mean, it was mm -hmm. just like, gosh, I was already in Chicago, I thought. <laughs> and uh, so I participated in that panel discussion. I thought I'll leave a resume in case there's any uh, work to be had or volunteer mm -hmm. work or anything because I wanted to stay connected uh, since I had a fine art degree in it, but I still had to earn a living. So without went out and had a few uh, jobs before I got called uh, here by the late Jane Burns and the yes. late Dr. Richard Burns, founding trustees of mm -hmm. 
the public foundation and uh, they had discovered my resume and as is the case in all museum fields people move on and move up to other institutions and and out of state and so forth and so they had vacancies of uh, well they actually had three vacancies director curator of exhibitions and curator of education so i was called in to fill two curator jobs mm -hmm. and um i remember distinctly jane burns said well you're not afraid to work i can see that from your <laughs> resume <laughs> that's true because i had a many many jobs when i was putting myself through college <laughs> and so i started on november 15th 1981 and jane burns and i uh, we just didn't look back we just forged ahead and and um, i had some previous gallery experience in college and i had a great mentor in my professor Professor, the late Jonas Howard, who, who said, you know, there are a lot of jobs in the art world other than just being an artist. Sure. And so I took that to heart. And uh, the rest, as they say now, 40 years later, is American art history. <laughs> I would say, I would say. Now, you mentioned Jane and her uh, husband, Dr. Burns. Um, they had yes. a vision for this collection and art. And it's quite unusual to have such a collection in a community the size of Elkhart. Um, what really was their vision uh, and why Why here? Well, it was kind of twofold. One was uh, educational and one was the fact that uh, they both realized that not many Americans knew much about their visual heritage because mm -hmm. American art was not really uh, a course you could take in college. I never had American art history in college and I had to relearn everything from an American perspective really uh, in my tenure. So so their, their approach was, well, here's this uh, abandoned bank building. Uh, it would make logical sense that it would be safe and secure if it had some remediation and, sure. and uh, a public foundation to be formed that could be seeded with monies from all levels of economics in the community. You know, at the time, Elkhart, I think, uh, had more millionaires per capita than any city of its size, really? 36,000. Wow. Um, so, so some of it was that there was a need to uh, support education in the elementary schools. In 1974, art education had been uh, done away with in the school system, and they had four children. So they felt like their children are growing up here, other children, and they need some art appreciation, some tours mm -hmm. with real life art objects. And they themselves had started collecting American art. So the die was sort of cast both in an educational sense and then what their interests were. Mm -hmm. And with the growth of this museum now, 43 years later plus, uh, we have established a collection of nearly 8,000 works of art donated by 500 sources from across mm -hmm. the country. And as the Midwest Museum of American Art, we are sought out uh, in a family of only about 20 museums of American art in this entire country. So, wow. you know, if, if someone has something, they may not want to give it to the Whitney Museum of American Art sure. in New York. It's the second largest museum of American art in this country, or the Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art in Bentonville, Arkansas, the newest and most wealthy mm -hmm. of all of our 
but they might think that, gee, if I give it to a smaller museum, it will get utilized, it will get shown, it will get sure. uh, appreciated by the public. Sure. And that's sort of been our, um, our mantra, and that's how it's worked out to have now the largest signed and numbered colotype and lithograph collection of Norman Rockwell prints in America, the largest Overbeck art pottery mm -hmm. collection in the world. And of course, uh, the other big jewel in the crown is the uh, painting, original painting by Grant Wood, a Midwesterner from Iowa, one of only two paintings by that artist to exist in Indiana, the other one in the Sheldon Swope Art Museum in Terre Haute. So we, we have three reasons for people to come and visit us. And, sure. and along the way, we have all these other wonderful examples of American art that people may recognize, or certainly they can Google and find more out about, so. Sure, well, I get a question all the time, Brian, that uh, sure. people say, you know, it's it says it's the Midwest Museum of American Art. So the artists, uh, the, the items there are only from Midwest artists? No, no, it's just that uh, rather than be called the Elkhart Art Museum, sure. which might imply more of a local color, mm -hmm. I think the idea of being a regional institution mm -hmm. in the, located in the Midwest was what appealed to the uh, trustees very early on. But uh, yeah, we still get that, uh, you know, and misnomer of being Midwestern at our core, but we do have examples that stretch out over 200 years. Mm -hmm. of American art history and and uh, I am adding on my uh, last years of my watch more Latin works, mm -hmm. uh, works from Mexico. We've also done exhibitions of Haitian paintings, oh, wow. of Brazilian tapestry, so the Americas at large. And I think there's room to maneuver that Mm -hmm. given the fact America is this melting pot of cultures. So, um, you know, we can't be all things to all people, but we can offer, you know, significant examples when they're made available to us uh, of cultures that make up not only the Midwest, but America at large. So. Oh, very much so. And, and you've mentioned and referenced, you know, your 8,000 pieces and your uh, Norman Rockwell collection and your pottery collection. Part of your task as the curator and the director is to position these 8,000 pieces in various events and exhibits and themes throughout your space. That's got to be a lot of exciting, creative time to figure out what to showcase at any given moment. Maybe share with our listeners how that all happens and, and how you do that type of curation. Yes, you know, curating is uh, uh, all about caretaking. Mm -hmm. And when you have 8,000 works and you can only show about 1,200 at any given time of the year, you know, you have to be aware of where those other works are constantly. You have to be aware of their condition. And uh, so we go to our storage facility right beneath us, which consists of two additional full-scale fireproof vaults and 12 additional rooms mm -hmm. and and there you know certain themes start to pop up on my radar it and it also comes to me from suggestions of members or artists or you know sometimes our annual art competition which vets artists working in 24 counties of Michiana, you know, certain ideas emerge there. And then I start with a nucleus. I said, well, let me see if I can find how many works, you know, in this theme. Mm -hmm. And from that, then I start extrapolating or adding to that body of work 
by maybe from collectors borrowing works or highlighting artists in the community saying, well, you work in this vein. Uh, so I want to invite you to participate in this thematic show. Mm -hmm. So curating them becomes this great kind of orchestral, yes. uh, you know, organization plan. And sometimes it may take uh, years, not just to plan, but, you know, I can have ideas and Mm -hmm. It may take years to get to that point. Yeah. Uh, a few years back, I started not only highlighting significant works from the permanent collection under the theme of the story of American art, but also we started doing spotlight exhibits. And the yeah. spotlight exhibit is where we can sample an artist's output in uh, eight to 10 works, let's say. Mm -hmm. You know, we might be used to seeing only one or two works by this artist any given year in our juried regional, if they live in our region. But then, uh, for example, you know, if we have an artist that we see consistently winning awards or consistently uh, getting their work accepted, we might say, it's time to look at more than just two. Let's look at, you know, a small body. So spotlight exhibits change oh five to eight weeks depending uh -huh. larger exhibitions will change in a 10 to 12 week format uh -huh. and at any given time i have four galleries changing continuously and then uh, each year i recast the prints and drawings gallery so you know you might come one year traveling through elkhart and see a gosh a jean-michel basquiat uh, mm -hmm. you know a jasper johns or some some name of, of of formality in the contemporary art world and then the next year you stop by to see that and there's something new there because <laughs> our our bench is very deep on yeah. our team you know so so that makes it exciting that makes it not just stockpiling work and storage sure. but it's a chance to get them out and sure. shown well you've mentioned uh, some spotlight exhibits so tell us uh, give us some sneak peeks of some of the great things to see that are happening this uh, course of this year what kind of fun it, stuff are you showcasing? Oh, yes. Well, it is. it will be the 100th anniversary of this building wow, this year. Wow, that's a huge. Right now. Yeah. It was opened as the St. Joseph Valley Bank in 1922. So since the foundation uh, purchased this building and repurposed it, it was time that a an idea I had percolating for the last five years come to the foreground and it's called recycle repurpose and reimagine the poetry of the found object and i will be putting together an ensemble cast of artists who work with found objects or repurposed or mm -hmm. upcycled materials and that exhibit will will open in celebration of repurposing this very nice. building yeah, and it's sense. 100th year and that's going to uh really be an eye-opening exhibit for the public to see as we move through uh, the year we uh, initiate the fourth turn of our Michiana Masters, and we'll be looking at John Mishler, whose sculptures dot the countryside okay. up close in a spotlight exhibit. A Michiana Master is someone who has grown exponentially from this base root of 
Elkhart County or, or Michiana and gone out into the world and made a name, but we're going to celebrate John's work this, this year. And then, of course, we roll back into the uh, 44th annual Elkhart Jury Regional. That is something that every person that comes to Elkhart County between the 1st of October and the uh, almost near the end of uh, December this year, I think December 22nd, it will close. To see what's happening, what kind of art is being created mm -hmm. in these 24 counties. Very sophisticated, very yes. lovely, beautiful, challenging, all of the great things that make art, going to an art museum worthwhile to see. And then next year in 23, uh, I have had to postpone, uh, but it's coming back around the work of Florida's Ansel Adams photographer, Clyde Butcher. Very and we're good. going to be looking at a major exhibition of Clyde Butcher's black and white photographs called America the Beautiful. Oh, that'll be And wonderful. it just goes on from there. We mm -hmm. have a, a big thematic show of American portraits uh, scheduled to follow that, and it just kind of rolls along. So finally, I'm starting to stretch back into my two to three year uh, scheduling where I mm -hmm. had to kind of pull back from that That's there sure. for a while. Mm -hmm. Well, there's always something new to see and enjoy. What I uh, love personally about the art museum is that you can wander and find uh, your pieces that you want to connect with. And it's not just uh, art, there's sculptures, there's pottery, there's all different types of art inside your, your museum. Yes, yes, we, uh, we have something for everyone, literally. Mm -hmm. And through the changing spotlight exhibits or the thematic shows, we bring things out that have never been seen before. Right now, I have 15 works that have never been seen before by the public. And that happens, that will continue to happen throughout the upcoming year. So always something new to see. Your well, I agree. And um, Brian, we're going to have to have you come back and share more about that Michiana regional art when we know more about the applicants uh, closer in. Until then, um, I'm sure our listeners, in case they haven't been, how do they find you? Where are you located? Where do they find out your hours? All of that good stuff. Yes, we can uh, always, uh, a visitor can visit our website, midwestmuseum.us or midwestmuseum.org. They can find us on Facebook, Midwest Museum. They can find us on Instagram. I don't have much to tweet about. Uh, well, I do, but I don't. But uh, Instagram, Facebook, and of course our website, or just call us. Uh, our phone number is 574 293 6660 or you can email us at info at midwestmuseum.us very so. good well uh you're in a great location right in downtown elkhart there's restaurants and cafes and the learner theater uh, right next uh close to the central park where there's plenty of green space to walk and enjoy so it's a great location and easy to find parking and enjoy um brian thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today um anything else you'd like to add I think that covers it all. We are uh, very much a destination and easy to access and a great uh, time to spend at the Midwest Museum in downtown Elkhart. I think it is a jewel and an, a, a nice surprise for a lot of people. They don't expect the quality or the amount uh, inside your space. So thank you again for all you do. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and as always, hope you like and subscribe to get instant notifications of new episodes 
giving you all the information about the people and places that make Elkhart County a well-crafted place. Learn more about Elkhart County, Indiana at visitelkhartcounty.com and plan your next adventure. Join us next time for more well-crafted stories about the people and places along the Heritage Trail.